Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me once again from this palatial VoIP line in the middle of the internet is Cliff Murphy. Cliff, how are you? I'm doing well, Bill. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. I'm just, uh, you know, getting a little nostalgic on uh, on two fronts, really, you know, because we've got the uh, TurboGrafx-16 Mini, mm-hmm. which is still, uh, at the time of this recording, relatively new, and I I feel like it's a little bit hard to come by right now. Like, did you pre-order yours? Yeah, uh, more or less as soon as I found out that it was available, which actually was from you. <laughs> as soon as <laughs> I learned it was available from you, I, I found it and pre-ordered it. That was a good call, yeah, because I guess like they have been intermittently available, but mm-hmm. not that much. Like, I made kind of a, a boneheaded decision when uh, at one point, they kind of like you saw they did an indefinite hiatus on like when it was coming out like it was yes so i was like oh geez i don't even know if this thing is going to come out in the u.s at this point like really how you know if it's been delayed and how much of a market is there so they had it on amazon japan not not like the pc engine one they had the actual turbo graphics 16 mini on amazon japan so i just i jumped on it <laughs> wow and that was almost exactly one week before they announced, okay, we're bringing it out next week. <laughs> That's great. Great timing. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, luckily, though, it, it works just fine. Uh, it's the same basic thing as what you got, I imagine. Yeah, I imagine it's probably the same thing. I did order a second controller for it as well, and that is still on its way. It's supposed to arrive in a few days. It's really taking its time getting here, but I'm excited to have that second controller. <laughs> Yeah, there are there are a couple cool uh, games on there that can use uh, multiple players, but uh, this is yeah maybe a good time to roll into that because for people who have been following this podcast since basically the beginning, way way back when we started, we did uh, Cliff and I did a Turbo Graphics kind of review, a a retrospecticus, if you will, of like <laughs> our time with the system and our favorite games, but that was almost. It was almost five years ago, Cliff. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I didn't realize it was that long ago. That's crazy. <laughs> it it doesn't I mean, it's it's hard to really gauge time right now, but yeah, it, it's been a long time. So it just you know, with the with the mini coming out, you I mean you suggested it, but it's a great time to like revisit what I think it's just so rare that either of us would be fans of this system and that we both are. It was just such an uncommon occurrence. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Talking to my dad about it recently, because he was the one who bought it, uh, he said that uh, when it first came out and he was trying to find games for it, it was really super difficult. Like, he had to drive to stores, you know, 30, 40 minutes away just to find a place that actually carried the stuff. It wasn't like you could walk to... Uh, any store around and find Genesis or Super Nintendo or anything like that. He, he said that it was really difficult. So despite this thing's popularity in Japan, it really didn't wasn't super popular here. And 
it's almost like a needle in a haystack finding another needle in a haystack and saying, oh my god, you played this thing? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, I had a, I have a faint memory of that time in my life. I was still pretty young, but my so my working theory is like I don't know how your dad came to the decision to buy this, but for us, my dad was a frequent shopper at this local electronics chain called the Stereo Advantage. And the Stereo Advantage, like they would get get a bunch of electronics in from NEC, which is this Japanese company, and they're the company that made the Turbo Graphics. So I think when at a certain point they just were stocking the Turbo Graphics because like NEC was probably like, hey, sell these with our TVs. Yeah. And so then the Stereo Advantage people to my dad were like, hey, buy this thing. It's the new video game. It's like, it looks better than Nintendo, which it does. But mm-hmm. that doesn't really tell the full story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just because it looks better doesn't necessarily mean that it will be better or have the sort sort of support that it's going to need to keep going. Right, yeah. I mean, I think th- there were two big stumbling blocks, which were why the turbo graphics didn't really take off at least in the in north america is first off the original thing the pc engine which is the one they got in japan that came out in 1987 <laughs> wow and we got our thing i don't know exactly when it came out in canada but in the u.s it came out in 1989 at the yep. same time as like the sega genesis yeah so opening itself up to a lot of competition yeah yeah and and while at that time you know nintendo had like this massive fleet of developers and stuff along with you know nintendo itself and sega they had themselves and like a bunch of buddies and they got electronic arts early on to help them out nec was just basically nec and like hudson soft were like Mm -hmm. the two main developers on like almost every game that came out on the system yep yep Uh, i think basically every single thing that came out was basically from one of them one of either one of them (laughs) pretty much yeah yeah like i think even you know i this might not be fully accurate but i think like even the stuff that was originally made by other developers like you know they put out a version of street fighter 2 for the uh, turbo graphics they put out a ninja gaiden which is on the mini uh but like i think they had like nec people port it they didn't like get it from konami or from capcom or whatever Hmm. and you really you really need that third-party support if you're going to continually have new interesting things brought to the system right yeah because cliff you know there are like you know a thousand games that came out on the nes and like i don't know 500 (laughs) games that came out on genesis how many games came out on the turbo graphics 16 uh i'm willing to bet that it was not particularly many games came out on the tg16 it was uh 94 <laughs> okay, yeah. 94, god. Uh, isn't that god, that's so interesting to think that like I had uh, a whole bunch of these different games. I you know, I couldn't even tell you how many, but I must have had maybe like 20 or 30 of these different games. Isn't it wild to think that I had a full third of this thing's entire library? And then you see like collectors of like nes or snes stuff and it's just walls of all the games that came out for it that's just that's remarkable it is yeah yeah like i know some collectors like they'll go after 
systems because the library is a little smaller and like less in demand. So I wonder if that in part like drove any like retro nostalgia for the turbo graphics here. It's like, oh, there's not there's not really that many games for this thing. So we can you know I can maybe go out and get all of them and it's not too tough. Yeah, I could Oh, that'll be one afternoon. I'll just walk around and get all 94. Probably back, yeah, in like 95, 96, you could have gone to uh, a Babbage's or an electronics boutique and like cleaned them out on like all their whole Turbo Graphics games for like $10 a piece or something like that, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Turbo Graphics stuff, yeah, nobody wants that. Yeah, come on in. <laughs> You'll be doing <laughs> us a favor taking it off our hands. I guess just because we have this experience with the system and. To, to be honest, I mean, it's it's kind of actually kind of funny. Like, the system itself is half TurboGrafx-16 games and half PC Engine games. So, mm-hmm. like, stuff we never even tried, oh, even yeah. though we had the system. <laughs> All these, like, Japan-only exclusives. And there are there's a couple of things on there which are repeats. Like, they have the English versions of Newtopia and Newtopia 2, and they have the Japanese versions of Newtopia and Newtopia 2. So, that's interesting. It's definitely better than that, that they just put everything in the one box, like, mm-hmm. that they didn't break it up by region, because yep. there is some cool stuff that, that got included that is not in English at all, but Absolutely. it is strange. Yeah, for sure. It's a little strange. The whole thing is really cool. Uh, when we were, we were talking before we started recording, I've, I don't... This is the first mini console that I've purchased, and I know that there was the uh, excitement around the NES Mini and then the SNES Mini, but for one reason or another, I never ended up getting one, probably simply because it was not readily available. Uh, but this one, I, I just jumped at it, definitely for the for the nostalgia. But it's it's very exciting. It's just a very cool little thing, because it, it looks exactly like the TurboGrafx-16. It's just a lot smaller. And uh, they've got some real nice little, like, nods to the system. Uh, at the top of the console, there's, like, a plastic uh, casing piece that can come off. And on the original on uh, TG-16, that's where all of the television connections and the power cables and everything would be and that's exactly what they have in here too that's where the power cable goes and that's where the uh hdmi cable goes as well uh so that's a neat little feature and at the front where the um hudson cards the turbo chips whatever (laughs) whatever they're (laughs) called uh where they would slide in uh on the original you would slide it in and then you'd flick this little switch which had this little i guess plastic lock coming out that would sort of keep it uh, in. Not that it was ever really in danger of flying out of that. It was always real it snug. Was pretty, but, yeah, it was pretty secure, yeah. Right? I don't know. Maybe um, astronauts on the uh, International Space Station were bringing up their turbo graphics and they were like, oh, these <laughs> chips keep falling out of the system. If only there was a tiny half an inch long plastic piece that would just keep that in there. But anyway, on the, on the Mini... Uh, it's still got that little switch, and of course you're not putting in an actual chip, but it's got the little switch that you click over, and it's got the same, like, orange paint underneath to show that it's on, (laughs) which is such a great feature. Other systems, you turn it on, it's got a little light that turns on to show that it's on, but TurboGrafx, you just move the switch, and the paint underneath is orange, and that's how you know (laughs) it's on. (laughs) It's great. So there's a a lot of nice little touches. Uh, so I, uh, I really, I really appreciate it. I mean, I, it, it's 
is super cool because it's it's you know it's tiny and it's cute i like it but uh uh it's cool in the sense that it really it really looks like the original thing and uh <laughs> which is which is pretty funny and uh i mentioned my dad before as well but you know i was talking to him about it the other day too and uh, i said oh yeah it's it's neat and it's got all these games on it and he said you know you could just play the one that i have in my basement <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I could, but it uh, doesn't work quite as well. <laughs> yeah, you just need a, a CRT and the right yeah. cables and... Yeah, <laughs> all this now outdated connection technology in order to play it. And, it, it, you know, it, it has some nice little extra touches, too. Like, I, I think it's cute that, like, they split up the Turbo Graphics and the PC Engine games in different menus, and they mm-hmm. each have their own, like, little menu theme... They uh, have uh, <laughs> it's kind of silly, but like they they have little uh, PC engines like walking around on the screen while you're browsing. Yep, they sure do. They've got the uh, the save states in there for which is that's kind of a staple for these things. Is like you should have save states. I think the the very first one, the NES Classic, like the save states were a little more limited in what they could do. I think, but now it's just like pretty standardized yeah uh and what a feature my brother would play some of these games on uh just on an emulator he had on his computer and so he would you know save the states and that allowed him to get through you know big portions of the game that he wouldn't otherwise that you you simply can't do in one sitting and I not having done that before and now having the save states it's just it's so nice especially because some of the stuff that happens in these games is just total bullshit <laughs> oh, oh my god <laughs> so being able to pull it back and say okay yeah all right i let's let's try that again it that is that's uh really really nice so i really like that a lot and one thing that's unique to the games and this is for, for the both platforms is that the the cover art i think is so good and so like divergent and like there's just like this one game aldine's where it's just like a person standing in front of a jet and then you have so many of the you know cartoony box arts and then you have the western box arts but what helps them stand apart is like i feel like now so much box art space gets devoted to making sure you know exactly like what system you're buying this for like you you have the border and like the the name of the platform like on all the cases and stuff and like they minimized how much of that they did for a lot of the the box art or the cover art for these games like there'll be a little turbografx 16 stamp on a lot of them or like for the PC engine, some of them have like the little in the corner, the little like label on them that's like numbering them. It's it's very mm-hmm. inobtrusive, and I appreciate that kind of art so much more. It's got so much more personality just to like browse through it and see the different styles that people would use. Yeah, the uh, the Japanese one specifically is very cool to see. Uh, some of the the cover art looks similar to what the North American was. Uh, Superstar Soldier, for example, is the exact same. But other ones, like you mentioned, uh, Newtopia, for example, just has this like gorgeous animated picture of the guy. It looks nothing like the game at all, but the 
cover art looks really super cool <laughs> and uh comparatively the uh the north american one uh just feels so generic it's got uh, you know a guy in armor and he's fighting off against a dragon or something along those lines and just given what the game is it just feels so generic compared to the the japanese one with a lot of personality so i agree it's, it's very cool to see this stuff so just anything else you want to touch on with like just the the make of it the construction before we get into the games no i don't think so i uh i i really like it and uh i am looking forward to uh getting a second controller for it <laughs> uh because then i'll be able to play some stuff two player which is pretty cool that is one one small but huge improvement that the mini now has over the original turbo graphics uh because the nes had two controller ports on the front uh, the snes had two controller ports on the front turbo graphics for some reason had one controller port on the front and you could play a lot of the games with five players assuming you bought the uh five person turbo graphics uh multi-tap but just one controller port on the console itself seems like a really just bizarre choice. So I like on the Mini that there are two USB ports on the front so you can easily attach a second controller, uh, which is pretty cool. <laughs> no, that's a great call-out, yeah. <laughs> one other small thing, too. I don't know if you remember, but the length of the cord on the original Turbo Graphics, it's as if they were sitting around and they were like, oh yeah, nobody's ever going to need more than a meter, you know, three feet worth of controller cable. <laughs> no one's going to need any more than that. And it just absurdly short on the uh, on the original one. But this one here is a good six feet, something like that. It's I love it. That's actually another improvement on previous mini consoles too. Like the NES Classic has these comically short, same thing where it's like, Oh, man. Yeah, uh, you would need to like position the console like on your coffee table and then run the HDMI console cable from there to your TV just so you could be able to play with the controller. It's like that short. It's so short that third parties sold cable extenders for the NES Classic. <laughs> Great. They They saw an opportunity and they seized it. They did. They did. At this point, I guess now uh, we can jump in and start talking about uh, the games on there and what we were thinking. Um, when we talked before, we said that we were going to try some of the, the stuff that we already knew and then try some stuff that either we hadn't played before or we had seen but hadn't tried or we were going to just throw ourselves into one of the Japanese games and uh, <laughs> see where we landed. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, you know, we came away with a good mix. It looks like uh, we, you know, we drafted this combined list and we got, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of uh, Turbo Graphics games in there, but definitely a good sampling of the PC Engine games. And so I, I went out of my way to try some new stuff, and it looks like you did the same. Yeah, for sure. I'll start things off if, uh, if that's all right with you. Please, yeah. I'm going to start talking about Power Golf. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hitting the high notes early. Yeah, you know, you really got to do that. Uh, so I remember having Power Golf as a kid, but I didn't. I, I didn't play it because I, I didn't care. But I think we had it because it was, you know, one of the few games that was there, and it was also one of the system's launch titles. So 
you know, it's a launch title. You're gonna you're gonna buy it. You know, we all bought Red Steel on the Wii because there was nothing else to buy on the <laughs> Wii. You know, so uh, so Power Golf. So I never. I mean, I played it a little bit, but I couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. I was too young to figure it out too. Because when I was playing it, I was probably like four or five at that point. <laughs> four or five. Jeez, I was probably a little bit older than that sometimes too. So Power Golf is just this straightforward golf simulator i'm sure you, i'm sure you know 18 holes of golf you can play it uh competitively two player you can play it against the uh computer players as well everything pretty standard uh something immediately that i noticed as soon as you start playing it uh the colors are really really nice on this um i i'll admit that i'm not super familiar with the color limitations of the other systems uh, comparable systems at the time, but looking at Power Golf and all the different shades of green and the just the details and the color, it looks really good. I gotta say, I thought it was it looked really good. Now how it plays is a totally different thing. <laughs> uh, so you do the same sort of thing, you know. It, it shows it does a top-down view of the whole course. How many yards is it? What ways the wind blowing? All that sort of stuff. You push left and right to choose what direction you're aiming, and then uh, when you go to hit, it shows, it gives a little graphic of your your player uh, standing there taking the swing. It does the standard thing uh, when there's a meter at the bottom, and you push the button to start it, and the arrow starts sliding over, and then when you push the button again, it'll start sliding the second arrow back, and then you, you push it again. You know, the standard wind-up golf swing sort of thing that you've seen in lots of different golf games. It's in lots of different places. The difference here is that it's absurdly fast in this one. So when I started playing this, uh, I jumped into it and I was like, oh, we'll do a head-to-head competition, thinking it's going to be like an intuitive thing. I'm thinking, you know, it's all—it's oh, going to be a you know straightforward thing. You it's know, a golf it's game. Be intuitive. It's a golf game, right? How, how hard is it going to be? On the first hole, a Joe computer player uh gets the ball in in like three you know three strokes right easy peasy i take 12 strokes and then it (laughs) says you lose and i'm not even close to it uh the very first hit that i did it just it starts sliding to the left i click it and boom flies towards the right way off and the other thing that's really annoying too about it is that you have to get it exactly on that red otherwise your shot is going to curve and not just curve slightly curve an unacceptable amount to the left or the right uh you hit it at the you know at the wrong spot slightly it curves way off out of bounds you got to do it again it got to the point when it's like okay i'm just doing little tiny taps and i'm moving it down and even that was really hard too so i went back in and i just played a you know a single player round of golf there and uh in the 18 holes i got a birdie once uh which i was very pleased with as you can imagine but that was after about 10 holes of me getting it in in like 10 11 12 strokes these are like oh it's par 3 12 you know (laughs) so that's what we're doing honestly the controls were a little wonky but i felt like i was getting better at it at the end and i think it could just be a matter of you know becoming familiar with it but super surprisingly difficult at the beginning and like i think about i think it was um did you ever play uh wario land uh or wario land 2 on the game boy color i i never did 
there was a little golf mini game in that, and it oh, had nice. the it has the exact same bar sliding back and forth thing, and you're Wario and you 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 rush and body check an enemy and you gotta you know you gotta sink it, and the golf mechanic and the intuitiveness in that little golf crappy golf mini game in Wario Land Two uh, is <laughs> better <laughs> than this proper golf simulator as far as I'm concerned. So that's that's my review of Power Golf. I I I, I give Power Golf uh, I'll say a two out of five because I thought it looked really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Uh, okay. Well, uh, then I'm gonna have to I guess give these a rating as well. I mean that's that's I gotta follow. I gotta follow where you lead us. So <laughs> I guess we don't have to. You could you could switch it and give it some stars or some thumbs up or something. <laughs> oh gosh! All right. So I could rate it on a scale of one to five thumbs up. <laughs> one to five thumbs up would work for me. All right. Okay. Well, if why don't we continue the trend of launch titles for the Turbo Graphics and talk about the Kung Fu, which. Okay. When released in North America, was known as China Warrior. <laughs> Great. And the big selling feature of China Warrior is the dude you play as is he's massive. He is like this big dude. He takes up. He's as tall. He's half the screen tall. So like you know Mario, <laughs> Sonic, <laughs> even, <laughs> even Bonk. You know it's like. None of them compare it to the mighty V Kung Fu in terms of height and stature. And, you know, uh, I think we've both noticed that throughout the library of the system, there's lots of scrolling shooters. And oh my god. Every <laughs> other game on there is a scrolling shooter. Well, in that very theme, Cliff, I present to you the scrolling beat-em-up. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as the warrior, you walk to the right... And various things will fly at you, like birds will attack you, rocks will get thrown at you, monks will shuffle towards you, and you have to like punch or kick them out of the way as they approach until you get to the very end of the stage, and then the scrolling stops and you fight the boss, and then you have to... That's a little more orthodox, where you're trying to like punch and kick and get past their defenses and chip away at their health. But yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a scrolling beat em up. <laughs> okay. How does it look? Well, if you measure games based on how tall the main <laughs> character is, fantastic. Fantastic. That's how I felt when I played uh, uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, China Warriors Detective Vision is a little lacking then, I guess, is where the main, the main divergence happens. Just... Uh, yeah, I mean, but beyond that, you the gameplay is pretty repetitive. Like, you really only have two things you can do. You can punch or kick. And okay. there's lots of random crap flying at you, so it's hard to avoid getting hit as you do this stuff. And then if you get hit too much, you, you lie down on the ground and die. As I would in real life. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you got pelted with stones to the brain too much, that that could reasonably happen. But That's what would happen to me. That's not why I play video games, so I think I'm going to have to go with uh, a half thumbs up out of five for the Kung Fu, uh, the half representing the half screen tall the character is. <laughs> wow. So uh, we're not doing too great on our uh, TG16 launch titles here, are we? No, not really. Not really. 
Uh, okay, let me see if I can uh, go a little bit more positive. I'll talk about Bomberman 93. Bomberman's classic now at this point, uh, but this Bomberman 93, this was one of the games that uh, I like to play on uh, TG16. And the five-player on this game was spectacular. Just playing the multiplayer Bomberman, I just I remember so many times having friends over and playing this game. Uh, my brother and I would play it a lot. Uh, this was my brother's like jam. He got really, really good at this game. Uh, I think I liked the Bonk series a lot more, but my brother loved Bomberman, and this was this was his specifically. It's got a real uh, cute single-player uh, mode as well, where you go to all these different worlds, and the different worlds have slightly different themes uh, to them. Uh, you know, there's your forest level, there's your sand level, there's your ice level. The you know your typical tropes. And at the end of them, you got to fight a boss as well. Let me tell you, this is where I really started to appreciate the save states feature of the <laughs> TurboGrafx Mini. For the life of me, I cannot remember ever getting past, I think, the fourth boss of, of seven bosses. I don't think I ever got past the fourth one because I got to that fifth world and I could not, for the life of me, remember it at all. I was like, oh, this looks brand new. You know, the first few worlds I had done a whole bunch of different times. I, you know, I remembered all that stuff. But that fifth world, I didn't remember at all. That sixth world, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, the seventh world, when you finally get back at the Bomberman who had stolen all of the, whatever, <laughs> microchips or something is what it looks like. Who knows? I, I had not seen any of this stuff. It was crazy. So thank goodness for save states. Especially because, too, uh, in each level that you go through, uh, you can find an item that will, you know, give you something more. It'll let you uh, put down more bombs, or it'll let your the flames on your bombs go a little bit further, or um, you can kick the bombs away, you know, these sorts of things. Uh, one of the items you can get, though, is a detonator. And normally you're, you put a bomb down, you walk out of the way, it takes a couple of seconds, the bomb blows up, right? So it's a, it's a game a lot about timing, because you got to time it with the movement of the enemies, right? When you get the detonator, though, you can choose when, you know, you can tell the bomb when to go off. And so the game becomes a lot more straightforward at that point. But if you die, you lose your detonator. So, mm. save states, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think basically every single boss that I went through was like, okay, I died, and then you go back and you try it again, because you're not going to do it. And I was telling my brother about it, too, again, and that was the first thing he said. He was like, you got to get that detonator. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so Bomberman 93, honestly, that is the classic Bomberman to me, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, I can, you know, I, it, it's a classic format you can see it in different types of uh, bomberman games that are out more recently i remember there was a a fancier newer bomberman i think on the wii which uh, looked real similar it had a lot of the same ideas same power-ups uh, i think it was called bomberman blast yeah that sounds right but uh, for me that all traces all the way back to 1993 with bomberman 93 so uh i give bomberman 93 a five out of five <laughs> wow nice i mean yeah, I feel like the Bomberman games are well-regarded classically as, like, great multiplayer games. But there's also this really fun, puzzly single-player mode, too, that goes on. And I don't know mm -hmm. that that's always uh, remarked on. So cool. Very cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll try and keep the the good vibes going here. I, uh, I'll pick another game. This one I have a lot of experience with well before 
the Turbo Graphics 16 Mini, and that's Ninja Spirit. Okay, I, uh, I, I, I think I got this one on the Wii Virtual Console, but I, I, I don't think I played it very much. Well, you know, despite the kind of uh, generic name, I, I just think it's a really cool uh, actiony type game. You are <laughs> the story is very sparse, but from what I understand, your uh, master is killed by a bolt of lightning, and even though you are a wolf, you magically transform into a ninja to avenge your master's death. <laughs> As you would. Yeah, you know, just A to B to Z. And uh, you, you know, you head to the right of the screen and you're fighting enemies. Like, enemies will jump out of every which corner of the stage. And now, it's not an automatically scrolling stage for the most part. So it's not really a scrolling, you know, shooter or anything like that. It's But it's very close. And uh, you can pick up some fun power-ups along the way. There's the, the Shadow Clone power-up, which lets... Uh, so when you move, your identical copy will like follow in your path and will act with the same way that you act. And it's pretty sweet. We're like, uh, the one cool thing you can do is you can like jump in the air and you'll land, but your clone will stay suspended in the air until you move again. And you can kind of oh, just neat. sit there and attack in the air with that clone if you need to. And that, that works pretty well against a lot of enemies. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. There are four different types of... Uh, primary weapons you can use there's the sword there's the the rope and uh kunai there's the like kind of like a hand grenade i guess that you can throw around and then the ninja stars and like you, you'll have to kind of figure out which attacks are most effective against different enemies usually i'd go with the ninja stars but a few times you know i'd bust out the uh the grenades against a couple of the bosses <laughs> cool and it's uh, a lot of fun the the only knocks I have on the game are uh, one is the death animation. The the sound your guy makes when he dies scared me a lot as a kid because <laughs> it was really loud and also really pixelated because of you know, that's what they could do back then. So it'd be like, <laughs> just it, awful. Yeah, it, it sounded awful and creepy and it scared me a lot, especially because like usually the bosses, the, the bosses aren't China warrior big, but they're big. So like, you know, like some big dude would like cut you with his sword and you go, you know, it's like that. <laughs> so, so horribly scarring. <laughs> and then the, the second thing is, uh, you know, you talked about save states, you talked about complete bullshit. The final stage for this game is complete, <laughs> total, utter bullshit. <laughs> okay. So uh, there's, it's actually a very short stage. You just yeah. you walk to the edge of a cliff, mm-hmm. and you jump off the cliff. And as you fall, it's kind of a cool like effect and like idea. It's like hundreds of ninjas are like jumping up to meet you in the air and like fight you. And it's like yeah. that's kind of a cool idea, except they all instantly kill you if they hit you. And oh. your character is not terribly maneuverable while in the air, so it's very hard <laughs> to dodge. And there's Uh-oh. lots of them. And your attacks aren't powerful enough to, like, repel them or, like, get them out of the way before you would, like, fall on them. Okay. So the only way to really actually succeed is you have to, like, find this tiny, tiny little gap in, like, where the enemies are going to be. 
and then like memorize like okay i need to sway to the left and sway to the right and sway back to the left and the only way i could figure out is not even just with save states like you know you got unlimited continues so it wasn't too much of a penalty to like go back and try it again but i had to watch like a youtube video of someone doing it successfully to like see the correct route through them all <laughs> right and then after that like literally i can't even make this up is like i finally did it successfully and then i landed on top of the boss and the boss hit me and instantly killed me <laughs> oh my god save states <laughs> yes yes i did beat it after that but yeah okay. it, it was uh very uh, cheesy <laughs> way to end the game. So <laughs> with that in mind, but keep remembering all the positive stuff that I had, a lot of the fun I had, uh, I would rate it a uh, four thumbs up out of five. Nice. That's awesome. I should check that one out too uh, and try playing it again a little bit more than I did you know, before. Nice. Um, okay. What, what do you think? Uh, next one. Should we go uh, good or should we go less than good? Oh, let's go less than good. Let's be mean. Let's go less than good. Okay, so I wanted to play something uh, new, and so I tried uh, Moto Rotor, and uh, I had not seen what that was before, but uh, apparently the TurboGrafx-16 was known for all of the different racing games that it had, and so I was like, yeah, okay, I remember there being a couple of racing games on there. Um, uh, Victory Run, I think, is on there. My brother and I used to have another game called Final Lap Twin, which was basically the same sort of racing thing. So I figured I was probably getting into that sort of stuff. I could not have been more wrong. It's racing, but it's top-down. It's almost like, uh, gosh, like almost like racing slot cars or something. That's kind of the feeling I get. So it was a little bit weird. It um, could be fun, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it uh, for sure. It absolutely could be. And so I was like, okay. Well, let's let's see what goes on here. Uh, for some inexplicable reason, uh, within five minutes of loading it up, there's two completely different bikini-clad women. <laughs> for I don't know why they're on there, uh, but they're on there. Uh, and then you get your, you know, you have a little bit of money, and you can spend it on doing different stuff for your for your car. And I guess i thought inaccurately i kind of was applying some mario kart logic i was like okay well for the first race uh i'll probably want better handling so i'll go with handling and that was cheap too that was the wrong choice because apparently the only way to win is to put all your money into the engine (laughs) (laughs) so i was at just absolute last and the game has a little bit of a catch-up mechanic uh, which is interesting. So, the, uh, first off, when it loads the course, it's got this, like, I guess this drone that flies over top in the whole pattern of the course. You can see everything, but only a very small portion of the course is visible at any one time. It's not like uh, Mario Kart when you could see the whole course in its distance. Uh, imagine if you were looking at, you know, a, a, a raceway but you were over top of it and then you zoomed down in one little section that was only had enough room for about five cars on it and the camera just kept going along as the cars were going that's exactly what it is and so the game also can't seem to handle or maybe it just doesn't have enough processing power uh to handle when the cars aren't all on the screen at once 
what happens is with the five cars that you're racing, if one of them lags behind, as soon as it hits the edge of the screen, when it's going to go off the screen, this like bubble of electricity, it looks like, brings it right back to the center and brings it right on there. So you could, in theory, not even be accelerating and just be in fifth and it would just keep boop, 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 like keep pulling you up as the other cars are driving along, which is insane <laughs> so I don't get how they could the, do that yeah for a one-player game like why would you do right? that i i have no idea it so you can throw all sorts of money into upgrading your car and getting an engine but the most you're ever going to be able to do is get like one screen away from the other cars because if you're in the lead all the other cars are doing the catch-up mechanic right they're all going boop, 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 and appearing on there so it's almost as if you know uh on futurama when they say that uh the ship stays perfectly still it's the universe that moves around it (laughs) that's exactly what's going on in this game it's like the cars are staying perfectly still and the track is the thing that's actually moving around so the cars are just almost static on the screen and it's the track that's moving around or the image of the track in the background which is uh crazy yeah it was a little it was a little crazy uh and for some reason too you can go if you go sometimes i i I didn't play it enough to know the learn the nuances of the rule uh but if you go off the course sometimes it'll you know warp you back but if you go off the course in other times it's just game over (laughs) i guess your car explodes or something uh so i i i I don't get it uh but anyway i thought that was uh real it was a weird kind of a weird game uh especially just comparing it to some of the other racing games uh like uh, victory run when it's just looking like a regular racing game and it's a little bit repetitive sure but uh it's looking like a you know a racing game uh and it looks it looks pretty good or you compare it on the super nintendo to just you know mario kart right and how how slick it looks and how nicely it handles just a weird weird game but neither Victory Run nor Mario Kart has two different bikini-clad women within the first five minutes of opening the game. So, hmm. uh, you know what? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put this down lower than I did for Power Golf. I'm gonna give this one <laughs> a, a one out of five oh, <laughs> because Power Golf. I feel like I could at least, if I spent a little bit of time, I could I could maybe get the mechanic down a little bit better. I could become better at the game right this one just seemed like it was a lot of craziness <laughs> well see work with me here so if the game okay. is really hard then you get to see those bikini clad women over and over again when you're setting up right oh i guess that's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you know what i didn't i didn't play it enough either you can do all sorts of different courses apparently i played on i think it's called normal but you can play on some the normal courses course. the normal course Maybe there's different bikini women on the other courses. Oh. I don't know. I haven't looked at it yet. Oh, um, golly gee. Golly gee, right? We got more so, research to do. Yep. <laughs> I, I don't think I'll be making that research. <laughs> I'll, I'll take up the flag. I, I will uh, make this happen. Don't, don't you worry. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess, uh, let's see. What, what can I talk about here? Why don't I talk a little bit about, bit about Yeast Books 1 and 2? Is that how you pronounce that? I have never known how to pronounce that. I am reasonably sure it is called pronounced Yeast. Okay. So I actually played Yeast 8 
on my Nintendo Switch, which is, it was a pretty fun RPG type experience where, you know, you get stranded on this desert island as part of a shipwrecked crew and you have to like find the survivors. And as you find the survivors, you build a village in the village. Like people will then like sell you better items and gear and like give you access to more like things you can do on the island. And like, eventually you're trying to build up enough so that you can build a new ship to get off the island. And I was like, yeah, that was, that was a pretty fun time. So I'm sure this yeast books one and two will, you know, inherit all of that complexity of the game that came out, you know, 25 years after Yeast Books 1 and 2. And, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, um, so... <laughs> Not so much? <laughs> it, it's a CD game. It's one of the many games on here that's a was originally a TurboGrafx CD or PC Engine CD. So it does okay. have some nicer audio to it. Like, the, you go into different areas. There's, like, different kind of bouncy tracks. But the thing I can't get over with this game is... Uh, you know, in like lots of these top-down action-y RPGs and stuff, yeah, it's like a uh, link to the past where you you swing your sword, you, bow, you block things with your shield. That's uh, too rich for yeast books one and two's blood. Instead, <laughs> if you want to attack something, you just like run into it. <laughs> That's how I would attack something in real life. <laughs> well, you would fit in very well here because, yeah, you just bump into something and you can kind of like bump it all the way across the map basically if there's nothing obstructing your progress it'll just keep uh, bouncing the enemy back and then you'll run into it again bounce it back further and you can do that to every enemy if you want okay all right and then if you uh feel like your hp is getting very low you can stand still <laughs> and you'll just <laughs> and recover just hp comes back yeah oh okay oh that's good so it's a little different and different isn't necessarily bad but it it's uh it's an acquired taste i would say it's uh it's not my uh my first choice for how i would play an rpg if anything if i really really want to know the story behind this uh yeast books 1 and 2 i believe there is a remake of it that came out like a decade ago that you could play on pc and maybe i would go okay. play that rather than this that would yeah that could be it now, I, as you've been talking about it, I've been perusing the Wikipedia page, as you do, uh, and would it uh, surprise you to know that in 1990, the game received a Game of the Year award from something called Omni Magazine. Omni Magazine. Oh, wow. That is, <laughs> that is like this ancient science fiction interest magazine from like the, well, I mean, from the 90s and below before that it's a uh, wow yeah omni huh yeah well game of the year so for this <laughs> defunct 20 year old magazine called it game of the year and uh apparently uh other reviewers have said that uh the introduction sequence is mind-blowing would you describe the intro sequence as mind-blowing <sighs> no i wouldn't describe it as mind-blowing <laughs> I mean, contextually, you, like a lot of this stuff is, this would have been pretty remarkable oh, in sure. 1992. I guess that's true. <laughs> that's true. That you know what? That's it's interesting. I I felt the same way. One of the other ones that I I looked at briefly was Lords of Thunder, which was another one of the the Turbo CD games, and I didn't have that, and so I had no idea 
what to expect necessarily. I thought it was going to be basically the same, but the sound quality in that was unbelievably good. It 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 sounded like there was a full like rock heavy metal band who was like playing this music, and you'd really hear this like really cl- like crisp all the different instruments and the the graphics were really crisp and everything like that could you uh is that the sort of stuff that you saw in this one compared to some of the other games um i i mean it's so that's kind of interesting what's happening with the turbo graphics is actually as it went along they would Mm -hmm. and you might have noticed this like when you boot the different games up like some of them just like you'll see the disc spinning and sometimes you'll also see a card going in and the disc spinning. Hmm. Like, you, okay. you know how the N64 had the expansion pack? Yeah. They kind of did that with the TurboGrafx, too, like where you would use the Hue card slot to add extra RAM to the system to do nicer things. So, Ooh, you know, Yeast cool. came out in 1990. Lords of Thunder, I believe, came out in 92. And I think it uses one of those system cards. So it, it's able to do yeah. more cool stuff. Okay. Okay. So that that explains it. All all the CD games do it to various uh, abilities, where they'll have like nice sound or they'll have like nicer graphics. Uh, we can. I'll get into one of those in a little bit. Uh, but you know, I think I've <laughs> gone on about Yisa Fairmount here. I'll give it a, a I'll give it a three thumbs up out of five. I feel like maybe it's got some okay. potential there that I only scratched the surface of. Sure. Well, you're you're um, talking about it makes me want to go and uh, uh, try to get it, uh, try it out again. That's cool. Is it uh, in English? This one is in English. It's on the it's on the U.S. Okay. side. Okay. All right. <laughs> it even has uh, U.S. Western voice acting in it. Really, voice acting, eh? Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Uh, well, I went down last time talking about Motor Rotor. God, Motor Rotor. <laughs> you know what? I will just briefly uh, talk about Dungeon Explorer. Um, I had Dungeon Explorer when I was a kid, and I remember it uh, positively. When I said I was going, you know, up, it's only <laughs> only slightly up. <laughs> uh, Dungeon Explorer, I guess, it's got your your classic, I guess, your uh, fantasy D and D sort of tropes. You pick your character off the top and then it's basically like an explore um fighting enemies uh sort of game um the uh the big thing about this game i think it was really sold as being a multiplayer game so you could play uh with lots of people uh local multiplayer uh which is pretty cool and i think that that's where it would really shine but there's loads of enemies that come out uh loads of items they drop all that sort of stuff you know and you because it's called dungeon explorer you're going to explore some dungeons so you go and you check out some dungeons go down some stairs uh you got to find the other stairs you know sort of straightforward mazes uh fight the boss move on to the next level you know next area that sort of stuff one thing that it really has a lot of is uh enemy spawns so like little devices that will keep spawning enemies uh you know lizards or soldiers or skeletons they just keep coming out of these things so you really have to aggressively target the spawns if you want to slow down the enemies from coming at you and they've got some of these (laughs) some enemies that i think are just supposed to be your like 
generic fantasy slimes or something like that but they just look like red blood cells <laughs> to me so that's i that's what i thought they looked like then and i still think they're blood red blood cells and then there's green red blood cells and there's blue red blood cells but you know they're all blood cells uh but it's fun i really think it shines when it's more of a a um a multiplayer sort of experience going around and exploring and destroying stuff together it it kind of has a feel of um like a real basic uh gauntlet sort of game if you ever played that uh, uh i i get the gist of it of gauntlet yeah like a real basic you know uh, war, I, in the sense that you're exploring a dungeon with a party of people together that's basically it it also has like a level up mechanic uh unfortunately it seems like i, I didn't test it out too much but unfortunately it seems as though your leveling up is limited based off of when you beat bosses uh so i guess in that sense it makes sense to kind of rush and get to the boss so that you can get the level up so all the other enemies are going to be a little bit easier um i'm the sort of person that i would grind a whole bunch just to make things easier but it doesn't seem as though there's any reason to do that so it's fun but one thing that i guess i didn't notice when i was a kid uh, is just the language in the game uh seems very it's it's either hastily translated uh, from Japanese, or it's written in such a way that they tried to get the maximum amount of information in the smallest amount of space. So is that how we got either... the Dunian explorer here? Yeah, that's why I got that. So <laughs> that's that's a slightly different thing. It's got this big, beautiful like uh, scape of you know the the landscape, right? And all you see all the buildings and stuff, and it's got this little like banner up at the top. And the banner up at the top has a couple of folds in it, and it's supposed to say Dungeon Explorer at the top, but based on the folds, it looks like the the G and the P are hidden behind the folds. And I get why they did it that way, because if the banner actually had folds in it, uh, you wouldn't be able to see some of the lettering in it. Oh. But why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just <laughs> extend the banner? They were the ones who made the graphic. It's not like they're like, well, we gotta put the letters, hide the letters, because it's with the graphic. They made the graphic. Just put, like, the longer banner there. So that way it says Dungeon Explorer instead of Dunian Explorer on it. Uh, which I thought was weird. So some of the other things, uh, like you talk to one guy and he says... Uh, do you think that stone appeared over there? Do you think you could move it? Then do it! <laughs> it's just the way that they phrased it. They could have just had the guy say, hey, that stone over there has been bugging us. Could you move it? Right? Or like, you can destroy that stone. Something like that. You know? That would be good. Uh, but they don't say that. They have the king at the beginning. He says, uh, you're going to find my... I forget what they call him. I'm going to say associate. They don't call him an associate. <laughs> my <in the> associate. <laughs> you can find my associate, Judas, and they say in the south of the castle. And so I spent like a good solid five minutes running around this very small castle trying to get into like some secret door that you're supposed to get into. And it turns out when they said in the south of the castle, they just meant south of the castle <laughs> so you gotta leave the castle and go south that's where you're supposed to go in the south of the castle i'm like oh it'll be like in the bottom part of the castle that's the south of the castle no it's that's not what it means and then when you go down to this first dungeon too 
everybody starts warning you. They're like, oh, watch out for Bull Beast, uh, who's a beast and a bull. Uh, I guess like a minotaur is kind of what I would say. But anyway, everybody's like, oh, watch out for Bull Beast. And then someone says, I heard that Bull Beast is near and mad. <laughs> Just like, that's a weird way of describing them is like two different things about him in the same sentence you know i just thought that was weird watch out he's near and mad and then as soon as i saw him i was like oh god he is mad (laughs) (laughs) and he's so near and he's so mad anyway some of the language in there is pretty funny I i didn't get too far uh because i died i should use the save states more often in that one uh i actually don't recall getting too far in that game as a kid either uh, but maybe I'll go in there and I'll try it again. So anyway, it's uh, it's fun, straightforward. It's uh, kind of got some wonky mechanics here and there. I think I'd give it three stars out of five. Alrighty, okay. So we got a couple uh, RPGs that could have some. You can you could have some fun with them. You know, maybe not yeah. Legend of Zelda quality, but they got some no. meat on them bones. And when we when we think that the the SNES had legend of zelda on it it had chrono trigger on it <laughs> and then you look at the tg16 with dungeon explorer and you're like okay <laughs> like it's it's clear so i should probably start hitting hitting the high notes then sure we can end end on some high notes that's a good call all right well i should talk about then uh <clears throat> akumajo dracula x chi no rondo Okay, it's got Dracula in the title. I'm intrigued. Yes, and then so it's Dracula, and then X, uh, short for Racer X of the uh, Speed Racer cartoon. <laughs> oh, Speed Racer. <laughs> and then Aku Majo. Uh, you know, it's a, no, this is a that's a Japanese title for Castlevania Rondo of Blood. That's cool. I had no idea that a Castlevania game ever came out on the TG16. Yeah, it's a uh, you know it's it's kind of got this somewhat mythical status for people of a certain age because it's like ah oh, this is the best Castlevania game and they didn't bring it out in the United States, which is uh, <laughs> uh, the first part might be true and the second part is definitely true. It's never we've never gotten an English release of it. I think or no we we did. Uh, so first there was the the Wii Virtual Console. They put it on there, but it's okay. the Japanese version then they they did include it in a two-pack you can get it in a there's a psp game where you can unlock it and then you can play a port of it on the ps4 now it's now on a ps4 but this is the original japanese version and if you are so the japanese side of the pc engine is strange for many reasons but one of them is that there are all these ports of games that never came out in the u.s and they're not that great so there's a i'm gonna mangle the name here but dai makamura i think is the title it's ghosts and goblins they've got ghosts and goblins in there and it's not a great version of that game and that game is not very great to begin with then there is a i think ninja ryukendu which is ninja gaiden okay and of those, Castlevania is the only one that I think is like genuinely good. It's got the. It is not like the more modern Castlevania games. Like, 
it's not like all the DS ones or the Game Boy Advance ones or Symphony of the Night. It's just like the NES one where you move very slowly and you, mm-hmm. you your whip action is very deliberate. And that's kind of part of the challenge of the game is like your character is a little ponderous to move and you have to like be very uh, thoughtful about your timing and when you, exactly you want to move and get around and do stuff. But in the game... There's so much cool depth if you are into that kind of action. There's a, It's not the first Castlevania with branching paths. Uh, Castlevania 3 has that going on. But this is the one which has the coolest branching paths. Because like in stage one alone, there's like three different sweet like secret routes or unlockables or like you take this exit, you fight a different boss, and then you go to a separate stage two from the normal stage two. Uh, you can you can find a secret character that you can rescue from Dracula's castle, and then when you rescue her, you can then restart the game and play as her. Oh, cool! And she's it's very silly. Her her name is Maria. She's like an eight year old girl, and mm-hmm. she fights by using animal spirits to help her. And she's probably actually more dangerous than the main guy, Richter Belmont. <laughs> and as you go, you know, this is one of the games where the the CD quality sound really shines. Because, you know, Castlevania, if you ever played those, they've got some really good old school, like, chiptune tracks in there. And this, like, takes them up a notch with the CD quality sound. Uh, there's lots of great graphics for the different bosses you have to fight. Like you'll end up fighting on a zombie pirate ship and then you climb up the mast up to the top of the sail and you have to fight death on top of the sail and it'll like float around and shoot giant skulls at you. It's a it's a really, really good one of these. Very cool. And yeah, just as I mentioned, like this is a it's easier to play this game now than it used to be but it's still if you want to play the if you're diehard and you want to play the like genuine article this is the easiest way to do it uh that's awesome if i can perhaps make a a surprising confession i've never played any of the castlevania games and i know that they're really 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 super good and people love them so i might have to check this out just because i've got it now yes yeah I, i would recommend it it's you know one of my two or three favorite games on the system cool okay uh i'll 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 talk about uh one last one if that's okay yeah i mean you don't have to you can talk about more if you like i just i didn't want to uh keep you too long if you were busy is all oh no 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 i'll uh i mean i can talk about more but i'll uh i'll 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 end on a high note okay and we'll talk about um parasol stars which i just remembered sure yeah Uh, because that was uh the game that i was most excited to get on here parasol stars is uh i guess a sort of sequel thematically to bubble bobble and if you ever played bubble bobble then you know that the you know the type of game that it is the real light-hearted fun uh you're you're a couple of dragons and you shoot out bubbles at enemies and then you you pop those bubbles and you get all sorts of prizes and stuff and that's what bubble bobble is i played bubble bobble on all sorts of different stuff i think i bought it on the uh the wii virtual console i played different versions on my computer i think 
I had a version of Bubble Bobble on my TI-83 Texas Instruments graphing calculator when I was in high school. I believe it. <laughs> I would believe it. Right? So uh, Bubble Bobble I like a lot. And uh, uh, Parasol Stars was kind of the sequel to uh, Bubble Bobble. But instead of being the dragons, uh, you're two kids, I guess. And you've got an umbrella. And so you use the uh, umbrella to weaken the enemies. And when you weaken them, they kind of turn blue and they uh, freeze in place. And then you can pick them up with your umbrella, uh, which sounds weird, uh, and then just hurl them across the (laughs) stage. And when they fly across, if they hit enemies, they will immobilize those enemies or just outright kill them. Uh, Sometimes they'll just reveal all sorts of different items that are behind them. Uh, All sorts of crazy stuff can happen. You can also, if you just hold your umbrella up, you can catch droplets of different abilities. So you can catch droplets of water, and when you catch enough, you get this big thing of water. And if you let it go, you'll just cause a flood, and it'll just kind of go down the level, and any enemies who are caught in it will be uh, washed away and killed. And uh, you can get fire, and you can put fire down, and you can get an electrical bolt and send some electricity tearing across the level. You can, In some of the later levels, you can get some stars, and then when you let that go, some stars just spiral in from you and kill enemies, too. So there's lots of different stuff you can do. You travel around to these different worlds, too, and uh, you do a bunch of different levels there. And then there's always a big boss at the end, too, which is very exciting. <laughs> and uh yeah so that's that's what it is it's a real good two-player game just like uh bubble bobble was uh and still is uh, but just playing this game is real real super fun but yeah i was very excited for this because i hadn't played it uh since the original game and it's still just as good it's bright and colorful and uh stupid stuff happens and it's uh it's very good uh so ferris all stars i'll give uh I'll give five umbrellas out of five for that one because it's real fun and cute and catchy and I like it a lot. Oh, dang. That, you know, well, first off, awesome that it's got such a good game, but I forgot to rate Castlevania Rondo of Blood. I got to give that, yeah, a full five thumbs up out of five for Castlevania. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's good that we got some, we got some fives. We got some low ones and we got some fives as well. That's real good. All right. Well, then I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick one more here, I guess, to take us out on. Uh, sure. You know, I'm tempted to talk about Ginga Fukai Densetsu Sapphire here. Uh, it's okay because it's apparently not joking. It's a $900 game. Okay. Now I see that you got that written in this document. How the hell is this a $900 game? It is one of the last games put out on the PC Engine CD. They didn't make very many of them, and it was never obviously released outside of Japan. So they, uh, and then they only did like one port of it to the Japanese PSP. So just the demand for it is just going up and up and up, apparently. And this is the first time realistically anyone could play this game. (laughs) Wow. Okay, that's crazy. Uh, the game's it says on the Wikipedia page the game's value soared to hundreds of dollars and led to counterfeiting in the mid two thousands. Wow. I believe it. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly surprised there isn't more of a market for yeah counterfeit 
copies of some of these games, given how ridiculously expensive they are. Uh, the only thing going against Sapphire is it it looks really cool. Like you should at least boot it up just to look at some of it, but it didn't play very good. So I think I have to leave us off on Arizonk. Now you're speaking my language. Yeah, let's talk Arizonk. Even though Arizonk was only uh, like a TurboGrafx-16 game and not a CD game, I think it's got like maybe maybe the best graphics and the best sound out of any game on this whole thing. Like For sure. So it, I'm not joking, and I wrote in the notes here, I said, like, what if Bonk was Poochie? <laughs> well, he'd be one rocking dude, wouldn't he? he? And he, in fact, is. He is very rocking. <laughs> he, uh, he puts on a pair of sunglasses, and he gains superpowers, and so do all his friends. Some of his friends <laughs> being a tiny witch, a robot with, like, uh, like, it looks like it's a mummy robot, uh, a yep. gumball machine that wears a top hat, a baseball, yep. a dump truck. <laughs> yep. Yep. So they don't really explain why, but these are all Zonk's friends. You would think that they would maybe try to use uh, some of the characters from the Bonk series. Nah. Right? <laughs> totally new, totally random. How about a cow <laughs> instead? These new ones. Just cow. Cow. <laughs> it's great. It's 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 really strange in Zonk. You know, it's another scrolling shooter, but it's a good one. And you fly through the air, and you you fight a bunch of equally eccentric enemies. Like uh, one of the bosses is a two-headed dinosaur that is in the the body is a football, and it attacks by uh, like separating in the middle and coming together to try and crush you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know. A to B to, you know, seven. <laughs> hey, you know what? I I think I'm probably biased because I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> I know what boss <laughs> you're talking about here. It's in the stadium level. Yep. <laughs> so I it, in my head, I'm like, yes, of course. That's what you're going to have. You're going to have a two-headed football dinosaur in the stadium level. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as part of it, you know, you get lots of neat weapon power-ups. And one of the weapon power-ups is that you can call in one of those aforementioned buddies to help you out in the yep. level. And then if you get a second one of the call-a-buddy power-up while the buddy is already on the screen, they combine with Zonk and become something that's even stranger. <laughs> yeah, and these strange ones are great. They're really great. Like, uh, yeah, Zonk combines with a dog and becomes a robot dog and attacks by using onomatopoeia. Uh, he, combine, he combines with a baseball <laughs> and becomes a baseball pitcher and throws fastballs at the enemies. It's yep. so many strange, fantastic designs. They're all super, super fun. I like them all. And the, the music, the, the tracks for the different stages are really awesome. Mm-hmm. They really make you want to keep going and like just get you in the mood to like it's like yeah we're gonna go and like shoot some bad things i guess yeah because we're zonk i guess i remember uh as you're flying around and you've got your your companion there once you combine together you'll you'll stay as that combined form but then if you take enough damage you split apart again but you're flying around as zonk but your companion is now like 
flying through the air and like more careening through the air uh, with smoke coming out of them, right? <laughs> yeah. Like they're going down like they've been hit, but they don't just like crash and they're gone. They're like struggling to stay up. And one of the best feelings is when you get another one of those giant happy faces and you can combine together with your uh, companion again and you're like, I'll save you and bring <laughs> them back uh, from the brink of death. That was That's just real satisfying. It's a fun game, you know, and it's this is one yeah. of those ones where save states are a blessing to oh, uh, get like kind of a guided tour of things. And yeah. uh, even then, though, the game is like I played on the easiest difficulty, granted, but I was able to mostly get through on my own. Mm-hmm. And they even right when you go to the very, very final boss to fight them, they just give you nine lives. So that was neat. That's nice. I didn't actually know that because I don't think I've actually made it to the final boss. <laughs> I I'd, I'd gotten to the final boss and never beaten the final boss, but now that I bought this thing, I, I went ahead and I did it and I, I beat the game. Nice. I feel like that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna do that with a bunch of other things. Like I said, I did that with Bomberman '93, but now I'll have to, you know, uh, save state my way through Arizona and knock that one out of the park. Save state my way through. Um, a dungeon explorer you know knock that one out of the park right yeah yeah i mean that, that's the beauty of this thing is yeah getting to explore all these old games and see like what they're all about with uh, a little bit less punishment like it's a nice thing too with uh the nes online and snes online getting that uh like especially especially with that if we can diverge into a different product is like they have the rewind feature which is yeah, even better. That's a very nice feature. Super glad that they put that in there. All right. Well, you know, Cliff, uh, I, is there anything else you want to cover here before we before we? I don't. Step I along? don't think so. I feel like we should we should end. Oh, what what uh, what rating do you give Arizona? Oh, I got to give it five uh, weird hybrid zonk and thumbs ups <laughs> out of five. Nice. That's great. Uh, I feel like we could just keep going through this whole list and we could just be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this one, oh yeah, this one, right? That'd be, uh, uh, that, uh, that's uh, something that we can do. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to leave it off on, on Airzonk. Yeah, uh, the only other thing I'm just going to mention real quick, and we won't get into like the full breakdown of this, is uh, just if you're looking to the Japanese side and you want to pick out a couple other games and you're just like well i'm not sure really really where to start with japanese side uh pc genjin which is you know you mentioned this one is of course that's bonk's adventure which is a yeah. very you don't know need to know any japanese to play it it's totally playable without that and it's a fun platformer uh star parodier is a cute little shooter again no japanese needed just a nice little shooting game and uh both the uh both the games that say Spriggan in the title and the Sapphire game, they're they're not as much fun as the stuff we mentioned here, but they are playable. They have Japanese cutscenes. You don't need to know what's going on. Something about time travel. And you can just skip that and play the game, and it's totally fine. I would also add uh, Bomberman 94 to the list. Good call, as well. yeah. Because if you're at all familiar with the Bomberman format, you'll be able to see what's happening in Bomberman 94 and say, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's it. Just okay. I got it. <laughs> There's a kangaroo on the cover art, and you get to control the kangaroo. So you know. 
there is a kangaroo on there. That's very cool. Well, cool. Yeah, then in that case, we'll we'll leave it there. And just, uh, Cliff, one more time, thank you so much for coming on to chat about the TurboGrafx-16 again. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's so silly. This, this silly little system that nobody played is just such a big part of, I guess, both of our childhood. And so any opportunity I get to talk about it, I'm just so excited to talk about it. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do other revisions of past episodes. You know, that Undertale episode that we did, it still gets downloads. Like, even to this day, like, it it gets a similar number of downloads to, like, new episodes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's it just amazes me. It's like we did it in 2017, I think. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right, then just, yeah, is uh, there anywhere you want people to find you online uh, to get in touch? Oh, gosh, that's uh, such a <laughs> interesting question around this time. Uh, feel free to check out uh, moisttheater.com. Uh, we're uh, not performing right now, but uh, we, under normal circumstances, we uh, perform uh, monthly at the Comedy Bar in Toronto. Comedy Bar uh, not only sports Moist Theater, but they sport uh, all sorts of different artists from around Toronto. Uh, lots of uh, fantastic, diverse shows that they run there. Um, so checking out the Comedy Bar website, too, uh, is real super good. And uh, more than that, too, get out and support local artists. I'm going to add that in there. Eh, I feel good saying that. <laughs> Heck yeah. And, you know, if you, if you don't feel great about being in an outdoor space you know you know a lot of these groups they'll have you know like a gofundme or other ways you can support them that don't require seeing live shows just yeah any way you can support people in this time like uh i mean here in chicago you know uh io chicago is uh getting shuttered and that's one of the two biggest theaters here so i mean Surely a lot of other theaters are walking a very perilous line right now. So anything you can do to help, I'm sure, is greatly appreciated. Oh, I'm, I'm sure everybody would appreciate your support. So whatever you can to support um, local artists in these times, that's just a great idea. And if you want to support this podcast, we can be reached by... <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, thank you. We can be reached by email at somanybitspodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, we're So Many Bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at So Many Bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Simplecast or stream via Spotify. We play games, twitch.tv slash So Many Bits, Wednesday and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, recent games I've checked out on there are, you know, I dipped back a little bit into Magic the Gathering Arena, checked out some Rocket League, some Killer Queen Black, some uh, Anodyne 2, some Vice Project Doom. So you can see just a big variety of different games. And just uh, last but not least, thank you very much for listening. Have a great summer. Bye.